We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host. And as usual, I'm joined by Seth Wintraub coming right back from Las Vegas. How was it? It was good. Uh, yeah. Some people got COVID, but it was good. <laughs> That's surprising. Um, all right. So the crew, uh, Electric Crew, minus myself and Micah, I guess, um, was there for, for CES. And there was like there usually is there was a few uh, a few AV a few electric mobility news going on announced uh, probably the biggest one I would assume was the unveiling of the Ram trucks electric uh, the calling it the Ram Revolution concept so always a little bit of a bummer when we hear concept in there yeah not quite uh, necessarily a production vehicle but. I think it was they announced anything about it being production intent. No, um, I think oh. they usually call it a prototype when it's like that far. Yeah, but it it's impressive nonetheless. Uh, like some of the well, things I have twenty twenty four here. Peter Peter said that he said something about twenty twenty four. Yeah, so I guess prototypes will be coming out this year. Yeah, uh, but they did release some specs. Um, I was looking right here. 200 plus Glothar battery pack, so that's uh, that's no joke. Uh, that's uh, yeah. it's like Hummer Hummer EV type uh, battery pack right there. Yep. And uh, I, again, not not that many details because it, it is a concept, but there's a lot of picture, which again, that too, it's not ideal when it's just at a concept level, and you can you can very much see like there's a I, I don't even know what I'm looking at here. I'm looking from like the back seat that's folded down. Is that? Is that I it? guess. Okay. Or, oh, yeah, because there's a third row. That's part of the concept, right? That's what's crazy, the third row, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, wow. I was going to say you see it better here, but <laughs> I'm not so sure. Okay. There's like a canoe in there? Yeah, okay, a so yeah, yeah, A kayak. So you, you can um, fold down to or remove, I guess, the, um, the back the wall back. of the cabin. Yeah, but that's very similar to the Chevy Silverado. So Chevy Silverado has something similar to that. The full wall you can remove? The yeah. Just, oh, yeah. Okay. It's not just the, I thought it was just like the bottom part of it. Um, I, I'd be very curious to how that has affect like aerodynamic performance and, uh, and efficiency. So yeah. here you get the over um, bird's eye view of the concept here with, you see, full glass roof. Again, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect to have that in the production version. I mean, maybe there's going to be a glass roof, but exactly like that, where the glass extends from the windshield, all that it's like a, a Model X uh, windshield on steroids right there. The, um, yeah, can you imagine a work truck that you you know you get a stone hits your window? Yeah, and you're replacing pricey. the whole replacing the whole roof. Yeah, it's going to be pricey. That's an interesting center display here, like a dual screen setup, a little bit like um, used to have like Razer laptops that look like. Yeah, that. it kind of looks like it folds out. Yeah, I don't think it does, but yeah, it yeah. seems like a laptop type of thing. Uh, I don't mind it, but again, I don't think that's going to be a production no. version either. So we're talking about a bunch of things that won't necessarily happen. Oh, what's that here? Oh, that's okay, extra. Oh, that is that the side opens up and you can like yeah space into the side of the truck. Yeah, that's uh, something that current uh, Ram trucks have, and it's kind of neat where you have the storage like above the wheel. Um, oh, okay, but this kind of ex expands it a little bit more. And I think like those you see on the above the bed, you see those like little things. I'm assuming that's like the, you know, the, the hinge for the thing comes yeah. down. And my, my camera lights are like blinding me. So I can like barely see the screen. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, now I can now see it better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all renders, so it's you know, yeah, it's probably broken. Stuff. It's all render, but they had something there, right? Because you saw, you, you saw like the, the the skeleton of it, right? Yeah. So um, I put it in the room. I don't know if Peter added to a story, but um, I had no. the skate the skateboard of it, and it looked more like a skateboard for a car than a truck. I mean, it was a bigger version. I guess yeah. it was kind of like With a two hundred kilowatt hour battery pack. I would assume that's. Uh... Yeah, it was pretty burly. Oh, Dan said that TFL says that the lower screen in the RAM is removable to use like an iPad. Yeah, that's again one of those things that I think that's just for the concept. Like, I would be I'd be surprised if it uh, if it makes it to production. Yeah, why would you want a RAM iPad? <laughs> like, they're not going to be as good as Apple. <laughs> I, I don't think. Just oh, probably three hundred dollars. What do you mean with their incredible track record of user interface inside trucks for years? You would yes. think that uh, they would translate to consumer electronic perfectly all right yeah. the id arrow has been unveiled as the id7 so uh the new like top end sedan for uh, volkswagen or vw's um, lineup of id uh, id vehicles so obviously started with id3 in europe then we have the id4 id5 um what's the id6 now oh, id6 is china only it's china right. only yeah yeah and uh, now the ID7. So you got to see it in uh, LA a few, well, sort of see it in LA a few weeks ago. And now uh, it was fully unveiled at CES here, uh, as obviously a very much concept vehicle, also with uh, this heavy duty camouflage. Yeah, the, the camouflage is actually probably one of the most interesting things about the vehicle. Um, that uh, you can play that video, the, it actually is lit paint. That's not like light mm -hmm. behind the paint or anything. It's like a 40 layer process and they have like, you know, electrodes in the paint and, you know, by electrifying it, they can light it up. So they said it's too expensive. Like the, the paint costs more than the car at this point, but um, something they could do in the future, uh, police, uh, EMS might like those kind of things, but I'm sure advertisers are probably thinking about that as well. Uh, yeah, well, it's not going to be a consumer and, product ever. Though. Yeah, no yeah, I don't think it would be legal. And I think as soon as somebody brought one of those out, they'd make it illegal. Yeah. Also, just the uh, it's just the kind of consumption. Your energy consumption would probably kill your your efficiency too. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something that I, I do like from Tesla. Like they, they just like what you what they show you was. I mean, it changes a little bit, of course, but for the most part, what they show you is what you get. Like, what you get. Yeah. These these uh, we just saw the RAM, and then we see this. Like, is like, do, do, do we really need to do that? Like, I guess it does create some impressions. Like we do, we do report on it and things like that. But I kind of want to see what we're gonna get. Like I, I'm not see like the even though I know like it's a fancy paint and all that. But uh, they still stuck to the camouflage pattern that that screws with the actual shape of the vehicle. Like you don't see the shape of the car. Even forget about the video. Yeah, you see the the profile of it for sure. But that's you could put a silhouette in there and you would see the same thing. Like look at the front end. Like you have no idea what the front end looks like from this. It just kills the whole lines of the vehicle. Yeah. I I would venture to say that it looks good. Like it could look good. I do I do like like the design of it. But again, the, coming back to what I just said, like you, sh you, you cannot tell for sure. Anything else that yeah. they, uh, they release about the car in terms of uh, specs and whatnot? I mean, it, it wasn't new, but um, 38 centimeter, 15 inch screen, which is bigger than current MEBs. Mm -hmm. uh, digitally controlled air vents, which I hate. Um, illuminated touch sliders. Not 
too exciting. Um, you know, I think, you know, the thing that they were kind of impressed about was the 700 kilometer range, but that's optimistic WLTP that's 435 miles. Um, but in reality, the EPA is probably going to have it under 400, maybe 350, uh, which is still good. Like 350 miles yeah. in a sedan, sedan is solid. Um, and I, I think a lot of that's uh, because of the arrow of the, the vehicle. It kind of the same size as a Passat, um, which is a fairly popular car in the U.S. Um, yeah, I mean, otherwise, like they didn't let us inside it in, in L.A., mm -hmm. which was like weird. Like they, they didn't us. release any new pictures yeah. of the interior, too. No. Yeah. I mean, they flew us to Las Vegas or sorry, Los Angeles, like had us you know, like fed us, whatever. And then they wouldn't even let us inside it, let alone to drive it. It, it felt very weird. Like something wrong had happened. Like they still had <laughs> like something thing. else was supposed to be shot. Uh, right. So now you're saying actually the, it, the 700 kilometers range was unveiled when they first presented it in China. So it might not even be WLTP. It might actually be the, the Chinese standard, which is even more lax than. Well, well they called it 700 kilometers on a WLTP, oh, okay. but it might be, what's that old standard called? That NEDC? NEDC? Yeah. yeah. That's driven So, I mean, yeah. So, it's definitely not going to get 700 kilometers, but yeah. Yeah, 300 something, hopefully. And that's going to be the new, like, top of the line? Is, is it going to be, like, yeah. equivalent to the ID5 as a sedan, or is it going to be, more like, a new... Because VW is not premium premium like they, they they venture into it a little bit it's not the cheapest vehicles out there but um or, or should we should we brace ourselves for the pricing and thing on that one i think it's going to be like the ionic six mm, okay. uh i think it's going to be premium like upper middle class kind of thing like mm -hmm. uh um not quite into the eqe or uh i4 area uh probably bigger than the i4 but um I think it's going to be similar, maybe slightly more premium. It's you know like the Ionic, yeah, fifty thousand uh, dollars probably, or something like that. I would say in the fifties uh, or sixties, uh, okay. you know, after tax credits and everything. Okay. All right, Lightyear also used CES to launch the um, well to launch to the. Uh, Unveil some pictures. Scooter actually says this. he saw the prototype. So and the pictures are like are, are strange, but like the slider things that we have, but you, you still see most of the vehicle out there. And it's the light year two. So obviously we know the light year one. Uh, very much high hand, super expensive vehicle, but it's kind of a, a test bed for light years, ultra efficiency EV technology and uh, solar on the on the top of the vehicle to create a long range vehicle that you can charge with the sun to a certain degree. It's uh, it's not like the Atera or anything like that where the basically kind of car can charge itself. It's it's a little bit it's more functional of a car, but that also comes with efficiency losses. Obviously, that's four wheels to start with. That's a big difference. Um, mm. And uh, but but this one is going to be a lot less pricier. Uh, did they? Start at an MSRP below forty thousand dollars, which is like way lower because yeah. the original the zero is like way into six figures. I think it's like two hundred thousand or something. Yeah, I think it was started at one hundred and fifty, but now it might be closer to two fifty. Uh, but I, I would it, for the for, same thing though. I would um, they say forty below forty thousand dollars now, but uh, in 
by the time this hits the market, I, I, it might be it might be different. And uh, when does this thing hit the market again? Uh, I need to, uh, 2025. So we still have a good two years going here. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be. Uh, yeah, not, they already. Well, yeah, remember they already targeted around thirty thousand dollars. I already went up by twenty five percent. So yeah, I uh, wouldn't be surprised if we see it closer to fifty thousand dollars. But this this is the kind of car that uh, even if it's a little bit more expensive, a lot of people will go for it simply because of what it represents. Like it's uh, the, even though we're not we don't agree with the with the idea that all oh, the vehicles are not that efficient because they are charged on on the grid that is is dirty. I mean. At least you have an option to have it not dirty because with gas, like whatever you get your gas from, you're going to burn it and that makes it dirty. Uh, with an electric vehicles, at least you have some options in terms of cho choosing what kind of electricity is going to go into it. Obviously, if you're in a place where the grid is dominated by fossil fuels um, and, and coal and things like that, it's it's not an ideal situation, but this this eliminates the whole thing where you could technically just leave it in the sun and have it charge. Uh, have they updated the uh, charge again? Charging though with the sun like it depends on where you park it, depends on where you are and all that. So the any kind of figure that they would release is not ideal. But I don't think they released anything here. No, they just released a range where uh, promising to deliver over 500 miles of range. So that that's that's the, the fun thing about this. I, again, I think 500 miles and 100 kilometers is a bit optimistic for sure. But with the idea of we want it to be charged by solar panels that's on the car, having solar panels on the vehicle is, has a lot of limitations. Uh, so you cannot add a ton of energy under the power from uh, any kind of solar cells that's embedded in the body of the vehicle. So in order to optimize that, you have to make the car as efficient as possible. So that efficiency also translates to whatever power you get from whatever energy capacity you get from the battery pack that you have in the vehicle, which you can also charge like a regular EV. So you the the idea of optimizing for daily range from the sun will result in uh, efficiency gains from the battery pack too. So it, I wouldn't again, I would be shocked if this thing gets found on a mass range. I, Thirty, forty thousand uh, dollars, whatever it's going to be. Uh, yeah. But I would expect it to get a decent range, just like the Aptera surprised a lot of people. Where you can get a, get one with a top thousand miles of range. I think it's an overkill though, but for sure, uh, it's it's possible to get a lot of range with a lot fewer batteries. All right. The last thing that was on the at CES that we want to talk about is uh, the Sony Honda. So Sony has been talking about making electric vehicles forever. They released a bunch of different prototypes over the year, but we never really get that excited about it because plans to bring it to production have always been extremely vague. Uh, now they partner with Honda uh, last year. We reported on that. And um, that sort of brought some credibility to their EV plans because obviously Honda already produced cars, including EVs. So now Sony partnering with Honda, maybe it's actually going to come out in something. And now they unveil this prototype that's supposedly going to lead to a production car in 2026. Uh, well, take that with a grain of salt, though. And it's called apparently the Afila. Afila? Yep. That's how you would pronounce it, right? Um they they release a few specs here. Okay, those are the specs that were announced on the last prototype, though. So, 400 kilowatt dual motor system, pretty powerful. Yep. Resulting in a 
second, uh, zero to 62, 100 kilometers an hour. Top speed of 149 miles per hour, 240 kilometers per hour. That's a lot. Um, yeah, so it's a Sony, and they, they are bidding on their, their autonomous driving technology, and that is built with 45 sensors. So take that Tesla. <laughs> They're yeah. going the complete other way to Tesla that's just been removing sensors like crazy. They're like all out with the sensors, 45 of them. That's kind of insane, really. Uh, for some reason, I cannot zoom in on that photo. I just want to see like what kind of sensor. I, oh, at 45, I assume that they have everything in there. Ultrasonics, LIDARs, radars, sonars, uh, cameras, and all that. Um, yeah, they also obviously sit Sony. So the in-car um, system is going to be powered by uh, their entertainment system, uh, supported by PlayStation products, of course. PlayStation uh, in every seat. It sounds like it. Well, you don't. Well, you don't need a PlayStation on every seat. But uh, you know, people nowadays. Do you remember the good days of the split screen, like playing multiplayer on split screens on the on the yeah. console? So now yeah. that doesn't exist anymore. Like, well, it does exist, but people don't like it. Like online has has taken over so much that people are used to playing on the same screen. So maybe they should. That could they could develop some kind of technology here with having just one PlayStation in a car. Playing one game multiplayer, but dual screen. Uh, maybe that technology already exists. I, I haven't played console, even though I'm a gamer. I'm a, I'm a PC that one gamer. Tesla, one Tesla game, uh, the racing game, is uh, split screen. Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's like a Mario Kart type uh, yeah. racing game. I, I think like, I still if it, if there's uh, I don't remember exactly last game I played split screen, but it's probably like a Mario Kart type game. So not much other details, nothing on the on the range, on the battery pack. Obviously, Sony has some experience with batteries, like consumer electronics, you know, all powered by lithium-ion batteries these days. But that's pretty much it for CES. So it wasn't a giant EV thing this year, but I mean CES is consumer electronics. Well, I think no, no, actually now it's just called CES, right? They don't they don't even Call themselves consumer electronics show. I mean, that's where the, the thing came from. I will. Yeah. I would also mention that I saw, and I tweeted about this, but I saw a lot of DC fast charging there, like from a lot of companies. Um, I was going to do a roundup, but I didn't get enough information from anybody. Um, there was a cool uh, one called FreeWire uh, that we saw. Yeah. Uh, Scooter and I were both talking about it. Um, it comes with like a hundred sixty kilowatt our battery pack so like enough for you know two full charges um and what's good about that is you can put it on just like a normal you know 240 and the idea is that people come up and they charge uh their car pretty quickly and then when they're gone uh the batteries fill up again and you know obviously if there's a line of people and they you know don't take a lot of time between charging then the battery will deplete but that's just not how things work. You know, they'll be depending on the between. station. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, if if it doesn't fill up, then it goes down to a level two and, you know, people are upset. But um, it's so much cheaper to install these that um, the yeah. price of the batteries is actually less than usually the ins installation price. And then with the batteries, you get some extra benefits like, uh, you know, if you're putting this at a restaurant or a um, convenience store, um, you can use those batteries as backup and you have a, you know, 160 kilowatt hour battery backup for your restaurant or business, which is, you know, something you would already pay a lot of money for. And then um, also, you know, in the future when the um, 
utilities get around to, uh, you know, eliminating super peaks, um, this can, you know, send electricity out to the grid or can not accept electricity from the grid in a super peak kind of situation. So, well, it already um, eliminates of, the, the, the peak charges, right? Because you're always charging it. You're always going to charge a battery pack as as a level two to forty. Yeah, you always uh, you always want to charge it at the lower rates, but yeah. because this, you know, it's always taking electricity in from the grid mm -hmm. to to fill the batteries back up or whatever. Um, but it can stop taking electricity from the grid and just mm -hmm. charge from the uh, batteries, um, which is you know like that. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. A few micro mobility stuff too that I assume you guys are going to talk on the yep. wheelie podcast next next week. Is it not yeah. not this weekend? I can see it every yeah, other it's week. Enough week. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. Let's jump into some Tesla news because there was actually quite a lot of Tesla news this week. So uh, it might be a long show, but we'll, we'll try to get it fast, and then we're gonna have two other non Tesla news that's non CES also, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, and then we're going to take your questions. So if you guys have any questions, any subjects you want us to discuss, you can put them in the comment section. Uh, right now, we're going to get to them in about, I would say, 30 minutes. And if you do enjoy the show, please give us a thumbs up, a like, and subscribe. Always super useful. And if you're listening on your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star review, those help tremendously. Free to do. Take a second. And we appreciate every single one of them. Uh, all right. So Tesla last weekend uh, released their delivery numbers and production numbers. So they were 439,701 production, obviously a new record, and 405,000 vehicle delivers, delivered. Uh, so that was below expectation, which was around 420 for the quarter, uh, the consensus, I would say, from Wall Street. So significantly below that. And Tesla, again, uh, sort of blamed their delivery uh, wave being smoothed out at the end of the quarter and not going all out like that, even though Elon sent out an email for people to go all out for the deliveries at the end of the quarter. Um, he said, the Tesla, and I quote, that we continue to transition towards a more even regional mix of vehicle builds, which again led to further increase in cars and transit at the end of the quarter. Uh, Believe what you want. You can even believe that. You can believe that there was some demand issues in some market because quite surprisingly right now, there's some market that you can, there's a lot of inventory available right now in, some, in certain market, not everywhere, but uh, in some market that the, normally Tesla doesn't have anything at the end of the quarter because they're waiting for a shipment from either Shanghai or, or Fremont or now Texas really. Um, now they have a bunch of inventory early in January. That's that's not exactly normal, and we're, we're going to get into that. Um, full year production, 1.3 million uh, cars produced, 1.3 million cars delivered this year. So that's that's awesome. That's a significant increase uh, year over year. Uh, and uh, quarter over quarter, it's a 40 percent increase. Well, no, no, excuse me. Year over year for the quarter is 40 percent increase. And year over year for the whole year is a 47% uh, production increase. So that's, uh, that's, that, that's extremely good. Uh, close to the 50% that Tesla is, uh, is looking for. But yeah, a, a little bit disappointing uh, for sure. And keep in mind that Tesla had 20,000 vehicles in transit at the end of uh, last quarter. And uh, there, were, there was a, excuse me, there was a 
they, they say in transit, there was a discrepancy between deliveries and production of 20,000 vehicles. Now there's a discrepancy of over 30,000 vehicles this quarter. So you can do that out pretty easily right there. Yeah. All right, uh, we have more indication that Tesla is preparing to launch the cheaper version of the Model Y, the, the Texas Model Y in the US. So basically in every other market, Tesla is offering a cheaper Model Y. Some are calling it standard range uh, or mid range or whatever you want to see it, but it's like the 279 miles version. Uh, that uh, is a little bit higher range actually than the standard range that you have in China and uh, in Europe. Uh, Elon has said before that at first they didn't want to launch that standard range version because uh, the, the range was not enough for the North American market. But so that version with the 4680 cells in Texas ends up with 279 uh, miles of range, 449 kilometers, which they find appropriate apparently. Uh, so when it was first launched, it was just for employees. Then it started showing up in inventory and, and some test employees would sometime offer it to people that order uh, a long range Model Y. And then it's like, ah, we can get a quicker delivery, a price adjustment of like, I think the difference is 5,000 bucks. I think it's 62,000 it starts at uh, this version. And then they would deliver that instead. Um, now in the back end, and, and that's thanks to um, uh, Green the Only, I think found it. The, uh, the Model Y standard range now is in uh, the back end of the code. So you can still not see it right here, but it's there in the back end. So we assume that Tesla is about to turn it on at some point. And we've seen an increased number in inventory too over the last few weeks. Uh, of course, that matched the fact that Tesla announced that uh, they're not producing enough cells to build a enough 4680 cells to build a thousand Model Y and get factory retail. Well, no, this is a bit confusing now because obviously Tesla is producing up to 3,000 Model Ys a week at Gigafactory to Texas, but uh, most of them are still with the 2170 cell. So we assume that now about 1,000 of them or soon to be 1,000 of them are going to be 4680 because Tesla has now the capacity to produce enough 4680 cells to produce 1,000 Model Ys per week. Um, so that explains the increased availability in inventory of those vehicles. And uh, we expect that Tesla will soon release it in... Um, in the configurator and apparently at $62,000. Now uh, it's still a problem for the tax credit in the US. It's still over the 55,000 limit unless you get it with a, a seven seater option. But um, we did discuss that a little bit more this week and it looks like the, the problem with that with the Model Y not being considered an SUV if it's not seven seater has to do with the gross vehicle weight uh, needed to be at 6,000 pounds and Tesla comes up short of about 300. Uh, pounds, so uh, that's that's a problem. Then there's uh, the IRS right now is taking public comments about it, and uh, you can actually send one if you are concerned about this issue. And there's even a petition going to allow the Model S and uh, not sorry, the Model Y, but not just the not just Tesla vehicles. Obviously, the the Mackey is also one that is a concern because it's also getting a fifty five thousand limit, even though the Mackey does start under fifty five thousand. So, but there's a, a bunch of configuration that don't get it. And um, when you compare it to other SUVs, like the ID4, for example, that is getting it, and the there's the, the discrepancy is a bit confusing because the Model Y has the same capacity as the even more cargo space. Like everything that makes an SUV an SUV normally, like the Model Y also complies to, is just because it's more efficient in terms of the weight, you don't get the, the tax credit. So it makes no sense. 
so there's an effort right now to change that, but whether it's going to result in anything concrete, we don't know yet. All right, moving on to China. So there was a lot of talk in December about what's going on in China. Tesla offered a bunch of incentive for people to buy. And uh, then there was a rumor that there was significant demand issue in China. Uh, the tax credit was, even, even though there was a, a small uh, incentive, government incentive that was going away in, in January. Um, so it did help some people to order, but uh, there was a lot of talk about demand issues. And also there was a lot of talk about Tesla cutting prices. And then Tesla came back and like shut down the rumors. We're not going to cut prices. But then they specified we're not going to cut prices in 2022. Eh, it's 2023 now. And they did cut prices and they cut prices significantly. Um, the, uh, the, the price went down up to $7,000 for, for the Model Y long range. So one of the most popular vehicles out there. But a bunch of uh, like even the standard range Model 3, which is the cheapest vehicle out there, uh, so a $4,000 price reduction now at $33,000, the cheapest has ever been, uh, even cheaper than the original price that it was supposed to be at $35,000 in the U.S. And it was briefly, really. Um, yeah, so we see up between 5% uh, price reduction for the multi-performance to 13.4% price reduction for the multi So significant price drops there. And... I saw that, uh, I want to get the next story about it, but I saw that uh, Grace uh, Tao, the uh, VP of uh, Tesla China, tried to justify the price increase by saying that, uh, I'm going to quote her here, behind Tesla's price adjustment, oh, this is a, I think there are, that's a typo here. There are countless of engineering innovations which are essentially unique and excellent laws of cost control. This is all translated from Chinese, so it might sound a little bit weird. Uh, including not limited to vehicle integration design, production line design, supply chain management, and even milliseconds level of automation of robotic arm, coordination route, so I assume she means like uh, within the production factory, start from first principle, like they, they love to use that word, mm -hmm. uh, and, and just insist on cost pricing, again, translated from Chinese, uh, respond to the country's call with practical action to promote economic development and release consumption potential. A lot of blah, blah, blah to say like, oh, we actually reduce costs. That's why we are reducing pricing right now. But historically speaking, Tesla has never reduced pricing because they could. Like if they have no, cost they, improvement. They can. Yeah. They, yeah. they charge as much as they can. They've yeah. always done that. And, like why and that's what everybody does. Yeah, like virtually any product, really. So Tesla, they have made cost improvement in the past. I don't know if they did right now. They might might have done it on this. It might be through for sure. But when they do, they just increase their gross margin. And we've seen that consistently over the last year. Yep. Um, Big time. When they do reduce pricing is because they have to to create demand. That's There's no doubt about it. So I don't believe that. Tao uh, statement at all. Uh, it might be true, like they might make some cost improvement, but 13% like, like, like that, just as the uh, new year starts and, and uh, some incentive went away, though the incentive are smaller than the, the price reduction too. So that's that goes to show. I mean, I guess you could make an argument that it might be the incentive plus the cost improvement, but it, it, would be a, it would be a stretch in my opinion. And then the funny thing that happened, so that news came out like in the middle of the night. And then, uh, oh, get that back. Okay. 
Oh, okay. I was already on the right article. Came out in the middle of the night and Tesla opened in pre-market trading like 5% down, like significantly down over the news because China is obviously an important market. And even with the price reduction, I, I think I think we assume that the price reduction are going to work though because it, it makes actually Tesla's vehicle very competitive with with like Neo and, and, and Xpeng and cheaper like uh, Chinese competition out there. Uh, even BYD, though BYD has a lot of plugins rather than just uh, fully electric vehicles. So it makes Tesla very competitive. It's likely going to result in a surge in in buyers. And um, but the problem is that even that happens, it's obviously going to shatter Tesla's gross margin in in China, where they sell a lot of vehicles, and that's going to affect the bottom line. So that I think that was the main reason why. Uh, um, why the price of Tesla stock went down, though it goes down all the time these days anyway. Uh, but then the Tesla fans got got involved and the, the pump started going and they started like releasing these videos here, like this one uh, of a crowd like forming in front of a Tesla store. And there was a few of those Tesla stores that happened uh, today. And the Tesla fans and investors tried to frame it as like, oh, this is people are rushing to the to the stores to buy <laughs> Tesla cars, which doesn't make that much sense to start with because most people buy online and not even that, especially when there's a price decrease like that, people generally just, the um, the people are going to buy are already people that are in the market for, for, for a car. They probably already have checked out the car and everything and they're just like waiting to pull the trigger and, and then the price decrease is what makes them pull the trigger. So they don't necessarily need to go to the store in the first place. But then I put this through a few of my Chinese channels and they all agree the same thing. Now this is, and, and I saw a bunch of Weibo uh, messages and the same videos on Weibo. Uh, unfortunately, we cannot embed Weibo in our post here, but uh, the same videos on Weibo, but from the people that are there and they're saying that they're protesting Tesla for the price decrease. And I know this is like, people are like, oh, Fred, you're taking a story about like people Tesla decreasing prices and uh, and boosting sales and you're making it negative. I'm not making it negative. They are making it negative. I'm just reporting on it. Like I'm not necessarily agree with protesting on uh, on uh, a price drop. Though in this case, I do have to admit that Tesla sent out some mixed messages saying that we don't we we won't decrease the price. Of course, they they did had this uh, this year, and sure enough, as soon as this year is over, they did. Decrease it, so they didn't lie or anything like that. But they did, like they, they did incentivize a lot of people to buy last year, and now it would, the car would be much cheaper for them this year, as much as seven thousand dollars, depending on if they had access to the incentives. So and and well, it's been a while since Tesla's dropped prices, and so we don't remember this. But like every time Tesla makes a huge price drop, it also uh, lowers the value of every single Tesla out there. That's true so. too. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, the people protesting and, and this has been a pattern uh, for Tesla customers in, in China. Uh, they, they do tend to protest after uh, after price drops like that. It happened back in 2019. So there hasn't been a lot of price drops of Tesla vehicles, but there was one in 2019. Recently. There was one in October of this year, a much smaller one than this one though. And even the smaller one resulted in a bunch of people protesting after that. And now again, this one, the bigger one, obviously. But it's kind of funny that the Tesla fans and this video went viral. Like uh, I think it was seen like half a million times. Can I click on it? Yeah. Um, it's still up as if, uh, yeah, over half a million views on this. And it's still up as if a uh, crowd are buying Tesla cars and a bunch of Tesla super fans are 
or retweeting it and everything. But well, this is well, this is weird, Elon Musk. Uh, I don't know if I like. Okay, I can share this tab instead. All right, this is a weird one. So views on the videos are 185,000 views, but views on the tweet are half a million. So people are taking the video elsewhere and, and tweeting it separately, or maybe it's taken from somewhere. But as soon as you're viewing the tweet, you're viewing the video, no? Oh, you're saying there's more view. I guess people aren't hitting play. It plays it thematically. I, <laughs> I mean, oh, I oh, know. oh! Is Elon boosting his uh, tweet views? I don't know. Could it be? Could I just uncover this? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Know. Somehow, I don't believe that they're that advanced yet. Maybe. But yeah, it was it was pretty funny that uh, people are, are seeing it as like, oh, this is people rushing the the stores to buy. But in fact, most of those videos are about uh, people protesting the the pricing. The price but but you forgot the best part. Now there's a thirty-five thousand dollar Tesla. You just have yeah, to go to China, 30, China 30, to buy it. 30, Thirty-three 30, something. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty cheap. I mean, if Tesla's still making money on that, it's 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 impressive by itself. Like, yeah, it's great news. Yeah, yeah, it's a. But again, we're, we're gonna keep a close eye on that story going forward because in the next few months we're gonna see how it's affecting Tesla sales in China. And uh, and then uh, of course that's going to be a while because that's going to be the Q1 earnings, which is going to be uh, probably April, end of April. We're going to see how this has affected Tesla's uh, gross margin, obviously, because that's that's cutting the gross margin by a third, basically. And if you cut gross margin by a third, you cut net profit by like half, easily. Uh, obviously, this yeah. is only China, but China is a giant market for Tesla than any other EVs. All right, this is this is good news for more S and X buyers or or all the rich folks out there, I guess, because this is unattainable for most people. <laughs> you know, ain't a cheap car. Uh, but the yoke steering wheel is not the only option anymore. If you goes on if you go on Tesla's uh, configurator for either the Mole S or X right now, you can scroll down and in the in the interior section, you don't just have the option of choosing your interior colors. You can also choose between your steering control, whether round or yoke, or kind of a butterfly wheel is better known. Demand trigger. So a lot of demand. People... Yeah, that's the... you think that's the demand uh, lever? Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is to a degree, I guess. I don't know. Um, it's a low it's a low uh number car so it's not gonna make, yeah yeah move it's the not needle a big one, but but i think a lot of people are gonna go for it but obviously it, it doesn't a lot of people are calling it oh this is a, the normal uh wheel now sorry it's not necessarily a normal steering wheel though it's it, it's a round steering wheel but it's not normal so people kind of forget but the yoke not just the shape makes it a novel steering wheel also doesn't have any uh, stock on it doesn't have a turn signal stock doesn't have a, a drive uh, drivetrain a, a drive mode stock uh, it doesn't have a, a windshield wiper stock anything like that so now everything is either automated or it's a force touch button on the steering wheel so it's a different way of driving for other people not everyone likes it for most people that I thought that are using it actually most people say that they get used to the shape 
pretty well. It's the no stock that is the more difficult to use to, and some people don't like the force touch button. Personally, I did use them, uh, but again, this is this is more of a habit thing. So if you, if you have the car, it's a completely different thing than just test driving it like I did. Um, I didn't mind the force touch button personally. So um, and and what what I generally do anyway for like the windshield wiper and, and things like that. What I like to do in my Model Three is I I just hit whenever the automatic wiper are not functioning well, which is like half the time basically. Because uh, because Tesla refused to use a weather sensor and then use their vision sensor instead for for the weather, um, it's not bad in like in in rain for example, but in snow it's it's a bit different. Uh, so I just I touch the button one that gives your wiper one and that that pops up your wiper controls at the bottom right of your screen so it's easy to change them real quick so you can do basically the same instead of like you click the the button the force touch button instead of the stalk so it's basically the same thing on that front. Turn signal might be a little bit more of a problem uh, for some people, I would assume. But the the the, the shape itself is is a big deal for some people. Like I, I posted this this picture here. Like look at that. Like this is this is very awkward way of of, of driving here, uh, of holding your steering wheel. And obviously, you don't have to do that that much, especially higher speed. It's never going to happen. But for parking situation and like that, you have to do full revolution on the steering wheel. Then for sure, it's going to happen all the time. So it's it's not it's, it's not an ideal situation. Again, people say that they get used to it pretty easily, and I I, I assume that's true. Uh, but if you prefer a full round steering wheel. They go for it. And the thing, too, about that, about the shape itself, is that so what's the benefit of it? It looks cooler. I agree. It does look cooler. Uh, but Elon's excuse is that it's better visibility for the uh, instrument cluster, I guess, which probably true, but just how much better? Like, what, 5 10% better? I don't know if it's worth it. It does look cool, though. It does look cool. Yeah. Very space ballsy. <laughs> And along with the new option for for a new a new order, if you custom order it, uh, Tesla is now offering it as a retrofit for existing owners. So if you bought a Model S or X over the last two years since they did the refresh, you can now order a seven hundred dollars. Though that's going to be a bit of a bummer because people that order right now brand new, there's no the yoke or the round steering wheels are the same price. But if you get the round now, it's going to be a seven hundred dollars. But that includes the installation. Um, do you get to keep the yoke? Good question. That's a good hmm. question. It's not in the in it. The only thing they note is that the refit is only compatible with Model S and X vehicle configured with a yoke steering wheel. Purchase price includes installation through this service. I'd be surprised if it lets you keep it. Um, so yeah, also for a flight simulator or something. Yeah. <laughs> also, they say no stock, no shifter. Again, you don't have any stocks on this. And yeah, 700 bucks if you want to do it. It starts in March. The installation starts in March. But you can put your name on a, on a list right now. Well, that's something that came out earlier this week. Uh, Tesla announced a new investor day coming in March 1st. So at first view, it might sound like a shareholder meeting type of thing. But no, this is sounds this is looks separately than the shareholder meeting. It's more of a like a battery day or AI day. But now it's investor day. And it's going to be at Gigafactory Texas. It's going to be live stream, like those uh, other examples I just mentioned, uh, with option to attend in person for some institutional and retail investor. But details will follow later. I would assume that this is going to use their new shareholder platform that they launched last year for that. 
And they say that they're going to... Um, our investor will be able to see our most advanced production line as well as discuss long-term expansion plan, generation three platform, capital allocation, and other subject with our leadership team. So, I mean, correct me if uh, you think differently here, but it sounds like it's a bit reaction, uh, like a, a reaction to the stock price. I feel like, cause, <laughs> I, what is investor day? Like, it's pretty vague. I, I understand like battery day. Okay, we focus on batteries and we uh, update on our 4680 cell program and, and all that structural battery pack and everything. AI day obviously speaks for itself. Uh, maybe like if you want to talk about like production, like you do maybe a manufacturing day or you do uh, a powertrain day. If you want to talk about the new platform, I don't, I don't know, but uh, expansion plan, generation to platform, capital location, all that. Like that sounds like uh, that sounds like uh, let let let's pump a little bit. Let's do a little bit of a pump. I was thinking the same thing, yeah. um, and obviously it's in response probably to the stock price. Yeah. That's what I was thinking too. I mean, that obviously what's exciting for us in there because we're more like a consumer product type people. Generation three platform, like getting some details on that, that would be nice. Um, from what we know so far, this is like the new, if you consider like uh, mall S and X being uh, generation one, then mall three and Y were generation two. Uh, now the new platform is supposedly going to enable um, a cheaper or, or cheaper models uh, because they're going to be probably more than one. Uh, likely the RoboTaxi is going to be built on that. And uh, a Model 2, that's what people have been calling it, but I don't think it's going to be the official name. Like a new uh, $25,000 Tesla, probably closer to $30,000 if you're realistic. Probably like a small hatchback, something like that, which would be real nice. I would love a light Tesla-built hatchback. That would be cool. Like a little hot hatch. Cooler than a Bolt? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be cooler yeah. than the boat. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it it didn't take you. There was like a slight hesitation, but not more than like the time it takes. The boat is to you. cool, especially okay. at the current pricing. It is cool, but I mean, it's it's cool if you yeah. are a two car family and everything like that. Like like for you, it makes it makes a ton of sense. You have your Model Y, and you have you have your Bolt, and whoever is needs a car right now in the family it grabs the car that makes more sense but i'm i'm a single guy yep and uh, no family so technically i have two cars but it's i have one car really that i use all the all the time the other car i just keep it ownership wise because i have some sentimental value to it but my parents are using it all the time i don't really have access to it anything like that so i have one car i need that car to be a good like everyday driving car around the city and whatnot. And if I want to go on a road trip, I, I want to use the same car. I want to have to use another car. And if I had a bolt, I would have to do that. A nice yeah. little hatch though, a hot hatch can go like, um, uh, do some, 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 some racing with it too. And everything like that, that would be nice. Yeah. Like, uh, electric GTI. It's weird that Volkswagen mm -hmm. doesn't think to bring like, a nice ID3 over to the US and they don't think people would yeah. like that. Can you imagine a nice dual motor ID3? That's basically yeah. what I would assume Tesla would do with the with that generation 3 platform. Like uh, less expensive. Yep. And but lighter so you, you get decent range still but through efficiency gains. Structural battery pack. 
uh, with 46 of these cells, like, you can probably make it like a 40, a 40 kilowatt hour version and still get 250 of range in it. Like a very yeah, it might be a little optimistic, but yeah, something like that. No, I mean, if it's not too big, if it's not too big, yeah, it would be a smaller uh, car again. All right, moving on from Tesla, we have two pieces of news that we want to discuss, and then we're going to jump into the comment section. If you have any questions, please put them right now. We're going to get to them in just a few minutes. Rivian, just like Tesla releasing their production number, Rivian's release uh, theirs, and uh, they announced that they produce just over 10,000 vehicles, 10,020 uh, in Q4, and they delivered 8,000 of them. So there's uh, 2,000 vehicles in transit. And it brought the total vehicle produced to 24,337. So just short of their goal of uh, $25,000 with uh, $25,000, 25,000 units for the full year. And they delivered 20,332. Um, so uh, pretty good performance, really very close to what they were they were aiming for. You see the progression here. They went from like 2,500 in Q1, jumped 4,400 uh, 4, in Q2, 7,000 in Q3, 10,000. It shows a very nice progression in terms of the ramp up and production. Very quick ramp up, too, faster than Tesla was for the, the Model S, for example. Uh, but I still have some serious concern, though, for the company. Uh, and I know a lot of, not a lot of people share that and uh, with me, and I understand, but they are not even close to making any money on those cars yet. And they are producing 10,000 of them a quarter. I mean, we don't know for this quarter yet because obviously we're going to be waiting for their earnings call, uh, their earnings result in, in the few. I think Rivian is a little bit behind normally. Like it's not going to be in January, but probably in February. Yeah, but they got to get the price per vehicle way down because it's been hovering over three times the sale price. Right. The cost per vehicle down, you mean? Yeah, the right. cost per vehicle. Because last quarter with 7,000 vehicle produced, uh, it cost them three times what it, what it what they are charging per vehicle to, to produce them. So for for every hundred thousand dollars in revenue, and then, I mean the cars are like about what's this like uh, seventy five to ninety thousand dollars depending on the configuration. So it basically cost them like two hundred fifty thousand dollars to produce a truck every time, and they are selling them for for a third of that. So it's it's completely unsustainable. And I, I understand that. Like people are like, yeah, people were seeing the same thing about Tesla and everything. And Tesla ended up improving that and everything. And I agree, that's true. But in terms of Rivian, we're not seeing an improvement. And by the time Tesla was producing anywhere near these kind of volumes here, 10,000 vehicles a quarter now, not only did we saw an improvement in the gross margin, the gross margin was positive. They were actually making, they, they weren't making a profit overall because Again, that's then and, and Rivian has the same problem too. They, they were building their supercharger network, they were building their service network and all that. And Rivian is doing that too. So they're losing a ton of money on that. But obviously they have to do that if they, they want to become and a legitimate. Also, maker. don't forget Georgia. Spending a lot yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that on isn't that on the ice though, Georgia? I thought it was on the ice though. Uh I don't know. It I mean they have a battery plant there with yeah. So yeah. But I think the big think, factory is on the I ice. I think it's moving forward. Okay. It, it did have a couple hiccups. Okay. Uh, so they were, Tesla was already making money per car, though. So let's say that uh, the Model S at this point was selling for 
uh, on average, uh, $75,000 or $80,000. It was a bit cheaper back then, actually, um, than it is now. Just now it start, starts at like 105 or something. Uh, they, they were making it for like uh, $75,000 and selling it for 80. They, they were making a small profit on it and everything. This is completely different. Obviously, they have a giant um, cash uh, on end position. Uh, I think it's, did uh, Jamie share it on this one? I think it's over like $15 billion. Six, 16 billion. Uh, no, no, that's not it. $14 billion. So losing right now about $2 billion a quarter, uh, you're going to last a little bit. You're going to last a while actually with it. But if you're not seeing any improvement in the gross margin, then there's there's no way out of it. Like you go, you're going to go bankrupt or you're going to need to raise more money. Now, Rivian has a lot of very big investors that might be able to put more money in it, i.e. Amazon and, and, and other big funds and, and things like that. That could help them out. Uh, Ford, though Ford has been kind of walking away a little bit from Rivian. Um, there's another big one too, Cox, Cox Automotive. Uh, so there's big partners in there that, that can play a role. But would they want to do that if if Rivian hasn't shown any improvement in the gross margin? Because then you're like, okay, you, you, what's your business? You're in business of selling a truck for a third of what it costs you to to, to produce it. Like that's not a business. So you need to see at least some improvement towards getting to a profitable vehicle program. And we're not seeing that from Vivian right now. So I know a lot of investors or hate to see to hear me say that right now. It's like Fred, you're being too negative. You have it's a startup, you have to be positive. It's like, yeah, I understand all that, but and I and I want Rivian to succeed so much. Like at least I, I, not yet. I don't have any people calling me like really like uh, R A I V N Q or something like that. But it's gonna come. But I don't. I'm not negative about them. I don't want them to fail anything like that. I'm just. I'm just letting people know the trend is not good right now. We need to see a major change in the, a change in the, in the trend. And I want to see it this quarter, honestly, because ten thousand vehicles is a lot of vehicles to lose money on. Uh, so if they're still losing like a hundred thousand dollars per car they sell. Uh, 10,000 vehicles, it's it's massive. On top of losing money, of course, building out your service network, your, your charging network, the waypoint network, uh, all that. It's it's. I want to see a change. If we don't see it like this quarter or the next, I uh, I have real worries about Rivian's prospect at this point. Yeah, it's true. Um, but we'll find out. Um, do you still have yours on order? Yeah, that's the thing too. Like uh, the last time that they sent me an update, they said <clears> I'm <throat> gonna get my truck in January. Uh, nah, I'm not. Like I haven't seen. Obviously, they're not gonna do that until they do a service center in Quebec, which I haven't heard anything about yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if it is pushed from January. But also, I'm thinking, do I really want it? Uh, to be honest, even if Rivian by itself fails, I kind of feel like. Uh, it would be a great acquisition target for someone, for sure. Uh, but it would be a big someone because this is this is a big problem that they have. Like, they 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 have a great team and all that, and they're producing a lot of cars. Like, they're producing ten thousand electric trucks a quarter. That's that's awesome. Uh, but the, it works. It's worth nothing if they're not making any money on those trucks. Uh, yeah. So you would have to have a company that's able to come in and fix that, which is a giant problem to fix. So who can do that? I was thinking Apple, and Apple obviously has some interest into the electric vehicle market. 
but they didn't want to do that. It's not really the Apple way, right? To, to come no. in and like buy a huge company like that. They haven't done that in forever. So I don't know. I don't know who else would, would come in. Like, would an automaker want to do that? I don't think, I don't know an automaker that would have the money to do it. Other than well, Tesla, I mean, if, if they're going bankrupt, they might, <clears throat> they might yeah. need that as much. Yeah, money. I mean, they're already a lot cheaper than they used to be. <laughs> like, it, it used to be a $100 billion company. Now, uh, I think they are worth like uh, $20 billion or something like that, which, I mean, is, is a lot, obviously, but uh, not in the context of... Uh, What's their market cap? $15 billion. Tesla could buy it outright cash right now. Yeah, Elon um, could with his Twitter uh, sale. Yeah, he could sell Twitter right now for half of what he bought it and still buy Rivian from, from that money, literally. Yeah. I mean, tes Tesla would actually be the best buyer for them, I think, because Tesla knows how to bring down... Uh, cost of producing an electric vehicle in mass they have done it before but now that's also not really tesla's uh mo to buy the giant companies like that. what about geely with their range rover division oh yeah geely could be yeah geely would make sense especially since they bought they, they have an history of buying other automakers yeah geely could be an idea uh, I, again, I, I know like Shadow and a lot of Rivian fans, especially Rivian shareholders right now, are going to be really mad about us even discussing this possibility of them going bankrupt or anything like that. I'm not saying that this is exactly what's going to happen. I'm saying this is exactly wh where it's trending right now. If they don't start making money, gross, or, or even if it's a slim gross margin on the truck, or at least show an improvement of the gross margin, significant improvement, and not just selling trucks for a third of what the cost to make right now right at least start going in the right direction yeah. i don't think anyone can argue with that i don't think rj ceo of rivian could argue with that like he knows like this is a giant problem that they, they need to fix uh i think their position has always been though we have the cash position to withheld whatever is happening and, and do it yeah all right last piece of news before we jump into you guys comments is uh mercedes bands is gonna move ahead with their own charging network, their home branded charging network, like the Tesla supercharger, basically, um, in partnership with ChargePoint. But Char ChargePoint is not really a charging network operator. They are more of a hardware. Like they build charging station and, and other people buy them for them. So this, they are selling them to Mercedes. That's going to make them like this right there. Nice looking station, branded Mercedes. And uh, I don't think they released any specs for the for, for the actual charger, but they, they talk about 10,000. Um, I, th I think they said charge point, though they didn't see uh, station. Oh, well, and I don't mean charge point, uh, the company, I mean like uh, charging stalls or connectors, really. Not 10,000. I think I saw 400 locations. Is that like. Uh, yeah, I think that's in North America, though. Okay. So they're going to start with North America. So we'll finance, we'll operate oh, yeah. 400 charging hubs, 25,000 charging points yeah, in it's North America yeah. and 10,000 charging point total around the world. So this is, uh, I mean, I was talking to Scooter about it. He said, uh, he said that GM also is going to have their own branded charging station with EVgo, but I thought it would, they were going to be EVgo because that's the difference between EVgo and ChargePoint. Like EVgo is their, their own their own charging network operator too. Uh, so I think this is basically like the first, other than Rivian, uh, other than 
uh, Rivian that did follow Tesla with their own branded superchargers uh, charging station. This is this is the first one that's not a dealership network type of thing because I don't really count the dealership network because it's not as optimal as an actual charging network meant to enable long distance driving, which is generally what you, what you use a DC fast charger for, other than yeah. maybe in cities for for people that are don't have access to home charging, which is also very important, but. When you're talking about a Mercedes owner, you own an EQS or an EQE, I would assume that uh, you, you have access to home charging where they're at. Uh, like normally you have a garage. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. Yeah. Normally you have a garage. Uh, I know there's some exceptions to that rule, obviously. And that's why people are building charging stations within uh, cities so that people can just uh, once a week you go there and you, you charge instead of uh, uh, having a full battery whenever you leave in the morning at home every time so this is we this is great note, news we should yeah. note that uh volvo actually has a small mini charging network going from like seattle to colorado uh at uh starbucks stations they oh really they did a little press release i think we did a little post on that um and they're using charge point as well so kind of similar to this but you know obviously on a much smaller scale Okay, well, then, then, like 10 or 20. Yeah, then let me rephrase that. For, for sure, for sure, Mercedes-Benz is the first automaker, the first legacy automaker to follow Tesla into having a global DC fast charging network. The supercharger is the only double DC fast charging network. Even whatever EVgo is doing with GM that's just in, in North America, uh, and Rivian is also just in North America, though I, I know that they have like global ambitions, but I don't think they're going to exit the North American market and go anywhere else for, for a while. Like they need to figure out this market first. Uh, so right now this this plan from Mercedes-Benz is the first to actually follow Tesla and not rely on third-party station anymore. Um, I mean, people would say like, oh, Volkswagen has uh, Electrify America, but like that's a that's a whole other story right there. I mean, they were they were forced to do that uh, by regulators. Uh, and then you have in Europe, you have Ionity. So Ionity is is what makes a lot of it makes a lot of sense to be honest. I'm not saying I'm not trashing Ionity. A bunch of automakers bend together and build that, but it's still a third party company that you have a stake in. And Mercedes is actually one of the companies that have a stake in, or Daimler, I should say. Um, but uh, yeah, now you have your own Brennan station with. Uh, unlike Tesla, although obviously Tesla is opening up the network right now, uh, Mercedes plans for those stations to be available to any uh, to to EVs from other brands. But they say that uh, Mercedes-Benz owners are going to have benefits only to them, including uh, the ability to reserve a station, which makes me just a tiny bit worried that there's not going to be that many not many charge point per station. But but we'll see. All right, should we jump into the? Yep. Comments, which is an hour in already. All right. Uh, have we heard the rumors about the Polestar 2 becoming our rear wheel drive and getting more range for 2024? Um, we, I think the Polestar 2 has already had a rear wheel drive model. Mm -hmm. um, but I saw maybe like a half hour, hour ago, uh, an email came across with a new Polestar 2 design or something. I wouldn't be surprised if that's the same person that's asking right now. Yeah. It's phrased it's phrase a similar way. Um, yeah, I, but I, I know that the, there's some efficiency improvement in the Polestar 2 also, so it might be just that and not necessarily like a new model, but they say 2024, so 2024 is, wouldn't be that exactly. 
so yeah, there's a single motor. Oh no, it's a front wheel drive, the single motor. Yeah, that'd be too. So that's that's the difference. Yeah, that's that was my uh, my thought. Um, yeah, I do prefer a rear wheel drive for an EV, to be honest. So that's Same. Uh, uh, that that would be good news. And yes, there's definitely some efficiencies improvement that they can make and, and increase the range a little bit. And the Polestar 2 could use a little bit more range, uh, in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, yeah, uh, we'll keep an eye on that. All right, I think uh, we're talking about the Dodge Ram or the Ram uh, truck here. From empty to full, 500 miles, 200 kilowatt hours, thirty-six dollars to fill up at the house. Depend on the house. <laughs> yeah, where you're located. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah you're, my you're, place is going to be a lot cheaper uh, than that. Uh, you're living the dream. Yeah. Uh, TFL says that the lower center screen in the Ram is removed. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, a, um, Happy New, New Year, Year. BC. Uh, I hope more for the ID one and ID two from VW. I mean, let's get to the ID three first. Uh, but you know, we saw the ID Life. Is that what it was called? But that's going to be the ID two, I think. Yeah. ID Life is. It's all it's all a bit confusing, but I mean, if we follow what just happened with the ID Arrow that become the ID seven, I think the ID Life is going to be the ID two. ID Life sense. concept was going to become the ID two, so it's going to be uh, cheaper. Right. ID arrow became the ID7. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. All right. Uh, why is there such a lag? It get the bolt EV. Uh, I don't know what we were talking about at that point. Yeah, that was VW. Anyway. Uh, no, I think they're asking if they are, people are having issues getting their hands on the EUV. That, that was oh. the theory is saying. Uh, it's hard. Demand, yeah. yeah, demand for such an inexpensive vehicle, especially with the, the tax rebate. I'm hearing actually some some dealers are saying up to eight months uh, wait. I'm not, for those I'm things, not which, shocked. Which is like when the Equinox will be out. Yeah. All right, uh, Chris Mullen. Uh, electricity is not only about being chemically clean, but it's also about. Oh, maybe we'll not. Yeah. Move on for that one. All right, uh, Brian Martindale. Hoping you received my email about without media package for my 48th trip in a Chevrolet provided electric vehicle to recruit 100 adult kidney donors for 100 kids. We'll cover 18,000 miles. Hoping it's a start that interests your network. Thanks. All right. We'll look out for that email. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, That's cool. Mike An Angelus. Is the idea that convenience stores or restaurants would buy a DC fast charger to make money and offer a destination for EV drivers? How long typically would it take to pay off the investment? That is That's the idea. Yeah, it's a good uh, question, though. But... And that is actually the million-dollar question because these DC fast charging stations are sometimes like twenty, thirty thousand dollars, or up to fifty thousand if you get, you know, a couple of stalls. There's so that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Some of them too. Like, yeah, uh, that's you. You just mentioned pricing that it would be quite cheap, but it would be pricing also that's closer to like a, a fifty kilowatt station or something like that, which I think is fine for for like restaurants especially that maybe not convenience stores um con yeah, convenience stores are anyway. more like gas station like you go you're gonna want to have like a top top of the line like 250 plus kilowatt station uh but restaurants uh, i think even level two would make sense to a degree because uh, you're gonna be there unless it's a fast food i'm not talking about fast food but you're gonna be there normally for at least an hour or something like that yep. uh, so a slow DC, a slow DC or a fast AC, like a you know, these are 16 kilowatt AC, uh, would make more sense. I think and those are so much cheaper than the fast charger, the older ultra fast charger. 
Yeah, and you know, I saw so many of those at uh, CES, and I kept asking prices. Nobody wanted to talk about it, but they were all saying prices were coming down as scale and you know, yeah. innovation happens there. Oh, so yeah. that's good. All right, moving on. Uh, oh, I saw. Uh, will there be a tax break for the Bolt EUV? You must be new here. That's all we talk about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> There's one yes, right now for the next yes. three months at least. Hurry up. Uh, go go find one. All right, Curtis Mullen, municipalities ought to pay half the cost for the uh, first town whatever is to, uh, you know what? I'm not going to go on that one. Uh, <laughs> is there consistency? Phrase them better a little bit. Yeah, guys, work on that a little bit. Is there a consistency or discernible logic behind the pricing of Teslas in various markets? It seems like they do, they just do whatever they want without concerns of what customers think about <laughs> fairness. Yeah, that's a good point. You, I'm old enough <laughs> that the difficult thing. I'm old enough to remember why Tesla was so proud and boasting all the time about their pricing policy being uh, no discount and same price everywhere, plus uh, shipping cost and duties and port duties and all that. That's not the case anymore. Now it's whatever we can sell them for that price in that specific market. That's that's Tesla's policy now. Yep. I've, and that's, you know, that's capitalism. All right. Uh, I'm going to try to get through some of these. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Have there been any standout debuts at CES you see moving the EV tech forward in big ways? Um, not really. I mean, I would I would say some of the uh, CCS combo stations we saw that are lowering the price, adding batteries, you know, packaging them up in ways that uh, will be good for the IRA, the infrastructure. Um, that's kind of the idea. Um, getting a whole lot more DC fast charging stations out there is what we need to do. So that's kind of my answer to that. Um, let's see. And people who suddenly continue to operate archaic and correctly engineered. Auto okay. Uh, that guy has something about yeah. audio. Like. Uh, Dan Oberst, I think Tesla should market the yoke as a sa as safer since it keeps you from holding your arm over the airbag, keeping you from punching yourself to death in an accident. Huh? Yeah. I but don't, like, you're, I guess you're supposed to be holding. Oh, okay. Yeah. If you're holding the steering wheel wrong, you're supposed to be holding it then and two. Like, that's, uh, that's not really a good argument, in my opinion. All right. Uh, Trying to get some good ones. Tesla doesn't seem to think old looks will be noticed by the general public. Where's the new look? I guess they, they're waiting for an update. Mm -hmm. Do you know of any EV pickup for the EU market other than the Maxxis MX-90? I don't even know what the Maxxis MX-90 is. Is that a Chinese imported truck that we don't know about? Yeah. Just, the, uh, the, you guys have some of those. And uh, Dial-up mic is... Uh, uh alibaba's thing and <laughs> yeah yeah you or you can just follow those mic as alibaba post i think uh, ford's gonna bring the uh f-150 out there's just they have so many orders here that they don't have yeah eventually but i mean uh, pickup trucks like europe is not a priority no i don't all right do you think after the steering wheel stocks might come back on the sx no uh that okay. that would be shocked because that would that would be a big reversal from uh, Elon's comments that every input is a mistake. There's an error. Like they want zero input from, from the driver. And Tesla has done a lot of moves over the years that are based on them delivering on self-driving. And obviously, they haven't done that yet. But reverting on something like that would be a, would be a big deal. Oh, Sylvain, say hi. 
So let me fix my, uh, I got my, uh, my wheel hubs done a few weeks nice. ago. Appreciate it. I was in a bad, bad pickle about that. And I have to pay like 2,500 bucks to Tesla. To get... All right. I think a good we can, solution. I think we can end it there. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of not great questions. So, uh, we'll, All right. we'll try well, to. Well, Tyler Hallard said, where's the Tesla safety report? A full year is missing at this point. Yeah, that's a weird one. Tesla just stopped releasing their safety report about autopilot mileage accident and everything. Maybe I should do an article about that because it is it is strange that they, they stopped that. Um, we, we have this suspicion that Tesla, when they don't release data, is because the data doesn't look that good. And that safety report... Obviously, the data was so bad to start with, like it's not a good data. The only thing it was good for is if you track it against itself. So if you see any improvement over time, but we saw very little improvement over time with that. So maybe this just gave up on it. I don't know. Uh, at one point, even I did like fire data, which was also interesting. And that made this look a little bit better, I think, especially within the when the fires were a big story. But I think fires are not that big of a story for Tesla anymore. So maybe they just thought it wasn't worth tracking i don't know anyway thank you everyone for listening we appreciate every single one of you if you do enjoy the show if you can give us a thumbs up a like a subscribe whatever it is on the app that you're watching for because we are available everywhere uh we would appreciate it a lot if you're listening on your podcast app please uh give us a five-star rating that helps the show a ton and um we love you we're going to see you next time